This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. To adulthood made easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. One of my favorite topics to discuss on the podcast is dating and relationships, which is surprising considering I'm pretty private about my own romantic life. But every time we talk about dating or friendship or marriage or breakups on the show, I find it really fun, probably because there's always something that surprises me. Anyone can give you a set rule on how to budget or set a recipe for you to follow or give you a clear guideline on how to do your taxes. But the world of dating is always changing and our opinions about it are always changing. And every week it seems like there's something that kind of upsets or twists the norm. A new app comes out. A new book comes out. A story you read online completely changes the way you view your own love life. So to discuss this crazy, cool, complicated, surprising world of dating and relationships, I've asked Lisa Bonos to join me. She is the lead writer and editor for Soloish, a Washington Post blog about unmarried life, and she's a fellow podcaster. She hosts the Soloish podcast, which you can download in iTunes or SoundCloud. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thank you for being here, a fellow podcaster, a fellow journalist. So this yes. is going to be fun. It's like, who's going to interview who today? <laughs> Whom? I, you know, I, I really like being on the other side of things. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be a guest than a host. So you're doing a great job. Great. Okay. Well, this will be fun. So if I actually didn't solo-ish has been around for about a year and I recently discovered it and I think it's awesome especially like I said in light of how much the dating world and the digital dating world has become part of the everyday conversation so can you talk to me a little bit about where solo-ish came from and especially that name solo-ish and what it means to you and and to all of us so I've actually been writing about dating For over a decade. Started when I was in college. I was managing editor of my student newspaper at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And I just was having sort of like, you know, it was the era of Sex and the City. And my friends and I were watching it. And I had like a short term relationship that had some interesting things that had cropped up and I started writing about them. And, and then this column was born in my college newspaper. And when I got to the post, right out of college on an internship where I was editing business news. And um, I was I just couldn't get away from relationship writing. Occasionally I would write stories or for other sections. And a couple years ago, kind of had a mentor here at the Post ask me, like, what do you really want to do here, Lisa? Do you want to start a dating blog? And I thought... That's so nice to have someone be like, what do you want to do? <laughs> he couldn't... <laughs> have the power to like grant me that opportunity but it was definitely somebody who was pushing me to think about what I really wanted to do because at the time I was an opinion editor and working a lot with other people to get their Mm -hmm. ideas out there and I was only writing you know once or twice a year and so I thought about it I was like well I like writing about dating but I really want to explore just what unmarried life is like today because I think it's as you said it's changing a lot And, you know, it would be great to have a place where we could have those stories on the Washington Post and that I could work with contributors from all different ages and situations. 
to just write about the richness and uh, variety of what unmarried life is like. And I love the name Solo-ish. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard about, but I don't know if you've read, Rebecca Traster just came out with a new book, All the Single Mm -hmm. Ladies, which is about the rise of unmarried life. And one of the things that she really talks about in her book and is the idea that it's no longer just you're single or you're married. Like there's exactly what there is. There's this solo-ish middle ground where maybe you're single, but your relationship, you're not really committed to your relationship. Maybe you're dating around. Maybe you are moving in with someone, but you don't really see getting married to them. Maybe you're recently widowed or recently divorced or a single parent. And there's this whole new world of like relationship statuses. You know, we came up with the name and it was actually just like all things solo life. It was a group effort. Yeah. Um, We were in a brainstorming meeting and I wanted something that didn't just, anything we came up with with single just ended up sounding kind of sad. And solo wasn't quite, you know, flying solo, that sort of thing. It didn't quite fit either because it's not as if people who are single are doing their lives alone. You know, um, we're relying on our best friends or our parents or co-workers for certain things that other people would rely on a partner for. I've also written about people who are in polyamorous relationships. And that's another kind of not being solo, but not necessarily being in one relationship either. So I just thought soloish kind of encompasses all the different kinds of relationships that people are having these days. Totally. And what a cool like year to be looking at dating life and, and what it's like. So I'm curious from from when the blog started last last May to almost it's almost a year now, has editing this column for a year, writing for it, hearing everyone's stories, has it changed the way you approach your own dating life? Um, <laughs> let's get into it. Tell me all your secrets. Yeah, no, it has. I mean, it in the beginning, it and it, definitely sometimes because I'm dealing with relationship content all the time. I mean, not everything that we run on the on the blog is about relationships, but I'm right. constantly immersed in it. It can make it feel tedious to go out on dates because it's like I'm thinking about dating all yeah, the time. It's like, it's like you want to leave work at work. Exactly. So sometimes it can feel like work to be on these apps or even be on a date because I'm also thinking about all the stories of other people's relationships or advice stuff that I've read or edited or just consumed throughout the day or the week. But I've gotten to a point now where I just, you know, like anything that you do in life, you kind of find a balance. And when I started the blog, all I wanted to do in my spare time was see my friends. That was the other part of things rather than necessarily go out on dates. Are you in a relationship right now? I'm in the beginning stages of seeing somebody. Okay. And is this someone that you met online or you met in person or you just materialized in front of you? It's interesting. I met him at an event that was related to my work for the blog. I was interviewing. Yeah, I was interviewing an app founder. And this person came up to me and said hello. And then I was at a wedding later on where I was just in a conversation with someone. And this person said like, oh, I want to set you up with my colleague. And it turns out it was this person that I had also already met in real life. That's such a small world. I just heard a story just like that the other day that someone was like, my friend really wanted to set me up with this guy. And it turns out that it was someone I had seen, like I'd sort of seen in college. And like in places like New York or D.C. where you think there are millions of people, it always amazes me when there's like how relationships can really make the world feel really small and the dating world can be really tiny. I think sometimes, you know, even when people are meeting online, you almost need two points of contact for it to actually for a meeting 
for an online meeting to actually end up with an in-person meeting, whether that's matching on two different apps before you actually go out or, you know, matching on an app and then hearing your roommate say, oh, I have this guy you might want to meet. And so sometimes because there are so many people online to actually end up meeting up with somebody, it can take more than just a Tinder match or a, a Hinge match. If you're in a creative field like me, or honestly, whatever field you're in, you need a space to put all of your work together online for followers to find you, for future employers to find you, for friends to find you. And you obviously don't want to build it from scratch because, again, if you're anything like me, you don't know how to code. Luckily, there is a place for that. There's Squarespace. You can go onto Squarespace and build this completely professional, beautiful-looking site. You don't need any HTML knowledge. You don't need to know how to code. You don't need to be some high-level internet master. You just need to know, this is the work I want to showcase. These are my hobbies, and Squarespace will help you build a site all around that. Their tools are super easy to use. They're very intuitive. And for an extra professional touch, you can get a free domain if you sign up for a year. You can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code REALSIMPLE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So thinking about, obviously, like you said, we have to talk about dating apps, and that's really where dating has become now. Everyone's meeting online. So we know about Tinder, we know about Hinge, but what have you seen that it takes to really make a good connection online and make those, those venues work for you? Yeah, I mean, for my job, I have downloaded a lot of these apps, so I know a lot about the different ones. And, you know, I was reading an article in New York Magazine a while back that talked about how all the different dating apps have become essentially different bars. And you have to find the bar that you like to hang out with, f- hang out at with the people that you kind of like. And oh, so, I like that. Know, one of my favorites these days is Bumble. Have you have you heard of that or used that at all, Sam? I have not used it, but I've, which I think is also really funny. Like I've used it on behalf of friends. Mm-hmm. Like I always wonder how many people out there are really. I don't know if guys do it the same way that girls do, but I do feel like often like my friends when I was on apps before would like take my phone and like swipe a couple people or message a couple of people, and I've done the same for friends. So I always am like, oh, of course, if you match up with someone. Is it because you matched up with them or like my friend matched up with them technically yeah. and they should get it? No, I mean, you're, you're right. You never really know. I've handed my phone over to my parents. Before. Oh, really? Yep. The beginning of Soloish, one of my favorite things that we did is we, parents didn't really know anything about Tinder. We put them in front of the camera and we said, this is Tinder. Go swipe through and find some matches for Lisa. And they were just like, oh my gosh, what is Tinder's this Tinder's a harsh app to let your parents exactly. swipe through. Like I maybe would have started them with like, I guess not Bumble maybe, but there's like a nice like parent swipe or something. <laughs> I don't know if there's something that you could start them with. Yeah. I mean, what, what I didn't realize from that exercise was that it gave them a lot of empathy for what it's like to date in 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, you know, if you ever have parents that are like, oh, I don't understand. You're so great. Why are you single? You just kind of like uh, show them this is how we're doing it these days. Yeah. And five minutes with Tinder and someone will be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Join a monastery or something because this is crazy. Yeah. Speaking of, of parents understanding your dating life, how have you seen 
the first date has changed, especially with all of this this new technology, but also just like with a changing generation that's more independent and less inclined to be like hunting for a, a spouse. Like how has, has the idea of the first date and even the rubric of the first date changed? First dates nowadays, you show up and you you know a little bit of information about the person, especially if you met online, you might know what they do for a living and what neighborhood they live in, where they're from. And so you already have kind of this, all of this information to, as a starting point, and that can be good. And sometimes it can be a little bit too much because, you know, we can make prejudgments about what a person is like when we know certain things uh, before just walking up to a bar and meeting somebody in person. So, and then there's all the, if you have a first and last name before you meet up, you might be Googling the person. Oh yeah. You're, you're on Facebook. You're looking them up on Instagram. You know, their LinkedIn history. Like <laughs> if you do it right, you really yeah. have a pretty full pick. You're like, Oh, speaking of baseball, do you like this team? And they're like, yeah, I do. And you're like, I knew that already. I saw exactly. that on your Facebook profile. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes I try not to do a lot of research before, before I meet up with somebody or if you see, if you meet on an app and you see that you have a mutual friend from college, I might not ask that person what they think of my date mm-hmm. because I want to make my own first impression. I will say I met my current boyfriend on an app and the best thing I did, and I will stand by this forever, is I told zero people about him for like three or four months. That's and it great. was the greatest thing I've ever done. How and, three or four months? How did you go that long without, you know, ending up at a friend's party or? Um, I'm a pretty good liar. I'm actually a fantastic. <laughs> that's underselling myself. I'm a fantastic liar. I can, you know, I'm really good at being like, oh, I can't go to dinner tonight. Like I'm grabbing dinner with so and so, and like you ask me where we're going, we're going to this restaurant. You ask me how it was, I can tell you what I ordered. Like I'm very good at that, and wow. and I happen to be lucky to have friend groups that don't really intersect like I have like my work friends and some friends from school and things like that so they would never really cross check and Mm. I also happen to be a wonderful introvert so Mm. people weren't like why aren't you coming to this party they were more like of course Sam's not coming out (laughs) like she's she's at home watching Netflix and I was like you can think that plus he lives in Brooklyn and I lived in Manhattan so it just like all the stars kind of aligned. Yeah, you're not like, going to run in right. to anyone at a bar. So you're like, DC's so small. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, what app did you guys meet on? Coffee Meets Bagel. Ah. Yeah, I don't know I... who's the coffee and who's the bagel, but that's where we <laughs> met. <laughs> Everybody's a bagel on that yeah. app. Yeah, okay. I, know, I I never understood the the... But I will say, like you said, not asking your friends, me not telling them about him was like ah. the greatest... And it just, like, helped us kind of exist in a vacuum and get to mm-hmm. know each other away from exactly what you said. People wanting to stalk him on Facebook, people wanting to meet him, people wanting to, like, get really invested in in what it is and what it's like. And it was great. And exactly. It was awesome. And yeah. I recommend it to everyone. Lie to your friends. Lie to your family. It's a great way to live <laughs> your life. One of the stories I read on Soloish that, to me, really resonated with me was the idea of, are you looking for the one or are you looking for one of the ones? I loved that one. And it's just the idea that, and we were talking sort of off mic, that your friends might, you might meet someone and your friends kind of jump to that conclusion maybe when you reach a certain age that they're like, well, well, do you see yourself marrying him? And, oh, he's getting a new job. Are you going to move with him? Like the idea that once you meet someone you really like, is that the one? Is that the person that you're supposed to see in a five-year plan? And as someone who's particularly averse to five-year plans, that always makes me nervous. So I mean, what do you think about like this changing idea of of finding just the one as opposed to many ones or one of the ones? 
Yeah. I mean, I came up with that idea after thinking about how people are in relationships for varying points of time. And if, you know, if only one person existed for you, Sam, like you might never meet that person. <laughs> right. Really... It's in that overwhelming, it's like the ultimate where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. Exactly. You're like, I exactly. will never win that game. <laughs> I can't believe you know that reference. You're oh, so yeah. young. <laughs> I used to, I loved that game. Come on. It was great. Yes. So I think it's the, one of the ones is a recognition of the fact that people are getting married and divorced and having more than one serious relationship in their lifetime. And they're getting different positive things out of those relationships. And you can't like necessarily walk around just looking for that one person that completes you. Even these polyamorous 20-somethings that I was hanging out with recently when I was writing about them. They talked about how the love they feel with different people is different and it's not like less good or real, just different, which is, you know, if you're even if you're not polyamorous, you can think about how you have friends that you do and different things with and enjoy different things with them. And I think that's why sometimes I have issues with like all these dating apps that are cropping up because I feel like they're responding to the pressure that people feel to find the one. So they're giving them like you compared it to needles and haystacks. Like mm-hmm. all these different apps are giving you the different haystacks to find your needle. But yeah. I think it's like pick your one app or pick your one bar or or just live on your own. And and some someone, you'll meet someone when – I always hate when people are like, you'll meet someone when you least expect it. But like, <laughs> you kind of will. Yeah. Mostly I because hate, if you were I... expecting it, you'd be super nervous and uncomfortable and wouldn't want to talk to them. I do think – if you are looking to meet somebody, you do have to put effort into it. You yeah. have to tell your friends that you're looking. Um, you have to be, you know, maybe using online dating, maybe not all the time, but you, you kind of have to use all the tools that are available to you. And when the right person at the right time for both of you pops up, then you'll take advantage of that. And you have to trust that, like, there's luck. And it's not like you have to go on six dates a week. You have to try. Yeah. I read another. I can't. Now I can't. I'm blanking. I think it was in Brooklyn Magazine that... It was something that was like, I didn't change anything about myself to meet my husband. Like, I just lived the way I wanted to live, put myself out Mm -hmm. there in the way that I did, didn't treat it like a second job, and was lucky and figured it out. And I think sometimes we, our generation, kind of loses sight of that because all these apps are making you feel like the app is here, so it must be because I'm supposed to use it. And, And I don't think my parents felt that same pressure because they just... It was like you just do what you do and and sometimes a guy comes up to you or a girl comes up to you in a bar and says like hi and then and then that's the way it is. Yeah, no, I think I've worked a lot to try to find like love life balance because I'm not going to be happy if I'm going out on first dates five nights a week. I want to see my friends and I want to have some time to myself and a while back I decided that I could handle one first date a week. Mm. And that's sort of been a rule of thumb for me. You know, I see people sometimes double booking on a Sunday afternoon and no. I just don't understand that because I think you go on too many first dates and the other person that you're out with can tell. Yeah, you kind of start, you have your like rehearsed anecdote and you're exactly. rehearsed and like, this is my pitch for what I do all day and it, it starts exactly. to feel stale. Definitely. Yeah. So there is a generational, not generational, but there is an age difference between us. You are 33, 32. 33. 33. I'm 23. So we're exactly 10 years apart. So what can, and I, the other thing I hate that people do is they set the deadline for themselves of like, but I'm, you know, but I'm 30 and what I need to have be in a relationship, I'm 30 or I need this certain job by the time I'm 30. Yeah. And it's like, 
that there's no real deadline. You, that's going to be another birthday. And, and again, just live your life the way you want it. So what can you tell me from looking back and reflecting on dating in your 20s? What, what's the advice that you have for me about either how it's different now that you're in your 30s or, or what, what you would have done differently in your 20s? I was never really pressured about a timeline about being married by a certain age. But I, I definitely, when I was your age, when I was 23, I thought that I would have it all figured out by 30. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I didn't and I don't. And it's kind of great. Um, but I think when you're just starting out on your own, you can you can look you can think that it might be easy, especially um, my parents met each other when they were in their 20s and they are blissfully happy. And so I grew up in a home where love seemed easy mm-hmm. and I didn't expect it to be hard. And actually, you do get out there in the world and it, it is hard to meet people that are at the same point in life as you are, Mm -hmm. um, which can vary whether or not you're the same age, that are looking for similar things that you're looking for, that you connect with. So I think just like understanding that it's hard and it's going to be a lifelong journey and the person that you're with at 23 might seem like the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, but that might also change and you're going to be okay, basically, would be the other thing. That's great. I love hearing that from people. The more times people can tell me I'm going to be okay, I'm like, yes, keep saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't game out uh, your love life in the same way that you can a career path because mm-hmm. there's just what you what you want changes. You learn a lot from every relationship that you're in, and it's not dependent just on you. So, uh, you know, relationships are a lot more multifaceted than just like finding the right job. But you do feel like once you kind of get out of this, like, the 20-something craze of the Mm -hmm. weirdo dating world, like, you do feel, I think we talked about this before, that now your dates have a little, or the people that you meet have a little bit more, they're a little bit calmer and a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more, there's maturity there that is really is great and something that we all have to look forward to. Correct me if I'm wrong. For sure. You know, (laughs) definitely. Um, I wrote something recently about how being single in my 30s is better than in my 20s because your 20s are a great time to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And I'm doing it. You know, be safe about it. Like, you know, um, have safe sex, have, you know, sex as safely as possible. Like, you know, don't meet strangers. Right in dangerous places, but definitely, you know, there are short-term relationships that I had that at the time might've seemed foolish, but I learned certain things from them. And there's a wisdom about relationships that you gain from both being hurt in the past. And I think also hurting other people, whether you meant to or not, that is kind of there for people when they're in their thirties. I think you can end up being kinder and more upfront with people when you have a little bit more dating experience. And you know better what you're looking for and, and definitely certain qualities that you don't feel comfortable with or don't want to stick around for when you see them. Instead of setting a deadline for ourselves, we know that once you hit 30, it's it's going to get so much. It's going to just be great. So why why try to try to miss out on that? So t- we have a, there's a big, bright, wonderful light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and for now, we should just embrace the bad dates and the weird dates and the funny stories and and enjoy it. That's exactly. what it sounds like. 
as much as you can. Yeah. Well, it's been so fun to talk to you, Lisa. I could talk to you all day because you have so many great stories that you've edited and, and experienced for yourself. But people can read more of those by finding the Solo-ish blog on Washington Post or by following you on Twitter at Lisa Bonos. That's B-O-N-O-S. That's right. So thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Good luck with all of your relationship goals and, and dates and everything like that. And thanks for your advice. No, thanks for having me, Sam. That was Lisa Bonos from The Washington Post, and you can actually find a link to The Washington Post's solo-ish blog in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel, and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, Zach Dinerstein. And don't forget to grab a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.